Ugh, I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hands down, the one I recommend is needed, so I'm thrilled to say that if you use the code BIRTHFUL at thisisneeded.com, you can get 20% off your first month of needed products. Needed is the number one nutrition brand recommended and used by me and over 4,000 practitioners, from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. Needed is for anyone trying to conceive, pregnant, postpartum, and really, this is goodness you can use even before and beyond the perinatal years. Along with prenatals, Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support to a lactation support plan, a stress and sleep support plan, and a gut health plan. In fact, I've had clients rave about Needed's pre- and probiotic formula, saying how much better it made them feel compared to their usual probiotics. And to me, Needed's hydration support packets, which only have ingredients you can pronounce, are a must in any doula or hospital bag. Also, Needed's prenatal multi is available in capsules and easy-to-take vanilla powder for those with nausea or pill fatigue. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. 
Welcome to Breathful. I'm Adriana Lozada. We will figure this out. But today I'm mad, and I'm going to be mad, and everyone else should be mad because the childbearing families we serve deserve better, and quite frankly, no one can push like the levers of the federal government. That's Dr. Monica McLemore sharing her frustration on the day that the proposal for universal paid leave within the Build Back Better plan got cut from 12 weeks to four and then was taken out altogether. I was mad right there with her, and apparently so were many of you, because what happened next was that through the collective efforts of advocacy groups, private organizations, policymakers, and constituents who quickly mobilized to call their representatives, participated in marches around the country, and used the hashtag SavePaidLeave to express their opinions on the matter, four weeks of paid leave were added back to the Build Back Better plan that recently passed in the House of Representatives. And in fact, one of my favorite moments of advocacy in that whole process was when over 24,000 people used the hashtag SavePaidLeave to comment on one of Joe Manchin's Instagram posts. And listen, I know four weeks aren't nearly enough when the global average for paid leave is 29 weeks. And I know that there are no guarantees that these four weeks will remain in the plan as it still has to make it through the Senate. And I know that this is just the very tippy top of the iceberg in terms of all the things that need to change to get us out of the ongoing perinatal crisis we're in, where, according to the CDC, about 700 women die from pregnancy-related complications every year. And we know that 60% of those deaths are preventable where we have one in six people report being mistreated during birth, where Black and Indigenous people are disproportionately harmed. But all of this is exactly why I wanted to talk with Dr. McLemore. Let me give you a little bit of context. Since 2017, when the World Health Organization first reported that the maternal mortality rate in the U.S. had been rising for years, and it was finally acknowledged that we were, and still are, in a perinatal health crisis, there has been tons of research trying to shed light on why we have these dismal outcomes and what we can do about it. Dr. McLemore has been deep in the conversations and research to find those answers for years. She breathes this stuff. So right now, we're at a potentially really exciting time for policy change. The Black Maternal Health Momnibus is gaining momentum. Paid leave is closer than ever to being passed since it was first talked about over 100 years ago. Postpartum Medicaid coverage is being extended from 60 days to one year in many states, and this extension may become permanent. And affordable, high-quality childcare is also on the table. So a lot of potentially exciting things happening. At the same time, it's a really messy and often frustrating process. So I wanted to have a candid conversation with Dr. McLemore about where we are and what the road to good, supportive, and equitable perinatal care looks like. Spoiler alert, it's a bumpy, nuanced, and complex road, but I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. And you definitely want to listen through to the end for some amazing words of gratitude and encouragement from Dr. McLemore to help keep us all going. You're listening to Breathful, here to inform your intuition. 
Welcome, Dr. Monica McLemore, to the show. It is really an honor to have you here, and I do appreciate you taking the time because you do so, so much to champion change in perinatal care for people. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you identify? Well, thank you so much for making the time and for having me here. And to your listeners, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you bringing uh, bold attention to these issues. I am an associate professor with tenure at the University of California, San Francisco. I am a clinician scientist at Advancing New Standards in Reproductive Health, which is a program of the Bixby Center for Global Reproductive Health. And I'm the Thelma Shobh Endowed Chair in Ethics and Social Justice, which is a, a new title that I have. I'm a nurse by training. And for me, you know, one of the things that frames how I think about my work and my life is I am informed by reproductive justice, which is a theory, a practice, and a strategy that was developed by Black women in 1994 in response to the limited frame when we think about birth and, and reproductive life course. And when we think about, you know, the ways in which a pregnant capable people are treated in our country. I use she and her pronouns, and I think it's really important that we point that out as well, because you asked me how I identify. I identify as somebody who cares deeply about humanity. I care deeply about work. I care deeply about fun. I am someone who has never birthed, never been pregnant, never wanted to be a parent, but has spent my entire career as a researcher and a clinician. And I've been a licensed nurse since 1993 caring for childbearing families and pregnant capable people. And that's because, you know, number one, I feel like the propagation of our species is really important. Uh, number two, I believe in the future. And number three, I'm a Black person. And so for me, you know, it's really important that we think about the ways in which we treat pregnant capable people and childbearing families, because for me, it's a barometer for our morality and our courage and how we are willing, willing to care for or not care for members in our society. I have tried to tell people for the last 30 years that because we can't get prevention funded, that people always think intervention is the only way that we have to respond to public health and health services provision crises. But that's not true. So I would like to have a very serious conversation about what it means to be able to prevent maternal deaths. And my work spends a lot of time looking at those factors. This idea that, you know, maternal deaths come out of the thin air is actually not true. We know that people are mistreated during their pregnancy seeking care. I have data, I've published three different papers about that. And we also know that our perinatal workforce is, you know, broken, burnt out, inappropriately distributed, and undereducated. Then, we have the whole situation of the medicalization of birth, when I always like to remind people that birth is a normal physiological process that, that most species on the planet experience, or at least mammals. So it is complicated. And at the same time, I think we're smart enough. I think we're creative enough. And I think we're bold enough to be able to partner with the people we serve to be able to make and build a better system. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately 
Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at DrMomButtBalm.com That's DrMomButtBalm.com or look for it at Amazon.com. And so that's a little bit of what the conversation that I want to have today, because we know that we're in a perinatal crisis and a health crisis. The system is broken. As you mentioned, I think you really hit it on the head with the whole, we focus on intervention versus prevention and, and you know, for being a birth doula and, and really focusing on physiology and how you can support your own physiology to help your body and birth flow and knowing that interventions can make things worse, right? Like even getting an IV or being asked, like, what's your due date? Your due date is an intervention that is going to create fear and create like anxiety and all kinds of things. So, Or it will, or it will frame, you know, your experience because you're beholden to something that is uh, inaccurate and imaginary. 
That's the other thing about obstetrics or perinatal care or whatever. I think, see, in the medicalization of it, we've we've lost the sacredness, we've lost the magic, we've lost the uncertainty. And we've also lost this idea that when we use language like due data, when we use language like maternal crisis, we're focusing people's attention without like providing the context of the broader conversation. So for me, part of my work is to bring some nuance back into that. Yeah, same thing that you were saying. I mean, just by focusing on the due date, then I am creating a set of conditions that will make it so that if you go past that, so quote unquote due date, whatever, then something's wrong with you. Like I'm reframing the conversation that you are the one that that is, is something's wrong with you. And I think that really, that's a micro example, but we do it at all levels through the healthcare. Yes, we do. And here's another example, right? The range of fertile women, at least for pregnant capable people, is between 15 and 44. That's like 30 years. And you will spend more time avoiding pregnancy than being pregnant if you are one of the people who on average have between two and three children in the United States. So this whole this whole conversation about birth, about perinatal crisis, about all of it, it's not grounded in a broader discussion about what is it that people need in order to be as healthful and dignified across their reproductive life course. Because people forget that birth is an episode. There's a whole nine months that happens before said episode and postpartum is forever. So for me, I think we cause a lot of harm in the language that we use and in the meaning that underpins that language. So I am coming to you and this podcast today very disappointed, frustrated, angry, and upset. On Monday, before I presided over the American Public Health Association's um, session, I had a conversation with the health policy intern with Nancy Pelosi's office. And he was telling me about how excited he was that we might get a vote on the Momnibus. And for your listeners, if y'all don't know what the Momnibus is, the Momnibus is a set of bills that Representative Lauren Underwood from Chicago and Representative Alma Adams uh, from North Carolina introduced in the 116th Congress in 2020, which was nine bills at that time. And unfortunately, the Momnibus, uh, the first version of the Momnibus was introduced the Tuesday before we went on national lockdown. So it went nowhere. So after uh, the 117th Congress was sworn in on January 3rd of this calendar year, Lauren Underwood and Rep. Adams on February 2nd introduced the second version of the Momnibus, which was nine bills, but they added three more. It was the original nine And then they added three, one about vaccines, one about COVID-19 screening and testing, and one was specific to climate change so that it could be part of the Build Back Better. And parts of it were also included in the American Rescue Plan, particularly the piece around the option to extend postpartum coverage to a year. This is a comprehensive package for us to, you know, join the rest of high-income countries and put some seriousness behind the financial and social and healthcare and public health supports that pregnant people need in order to be able to transition into that role with dignity and with skills and with power. So I was very grumpy this morning to find out that in the negotiations around the Build Back Better, that we actually have the nerve to think that we could remove something as simple and low-hanging fruit as paid family leave from a bill when we actually had a natural experiment last year during National Shelter in Place where we saw actually improvements in preterm birth and birth outcomes. 
because people were sheltering at home. And basically we had sort of a de facto, you know, experiment around paid family leave. So to hear that that's been removed from the negotiations and from, you know, us thinking about how to rebuild our social safety net as well as our health services safety net after a global pandemic makes me angry. And it reminds me that sometimes we have people in elected office who are cowards and we have people who represent us who don't represent our interests. And that perhaps maybe as citizens and healthcare providers that may, maybe they need to be replaced. And I think it also goes a little bit deeper um, into what you were talking about when you introduced yourself about how we care for our families being a barometer for our morality. That yeah. just it's not just the fact that it's not being prioritized by the people who sit in these committees and in Congress and the Senate, but also we don't really do good service and value for our families in general as a culture, unfortunately. Yeah. So we expect one of the hardest and most significant jobs that, that people can do, which is to parent, right? To bring another human into the world and to try and shepherd them safely to adulthood, right? Because that's what it is. I'm tired of people talking about this in ways that it's like not. Right. If, if people have the courage to want to do that in their lives and I'm the aunt of the year to like, I don't know, 20 kids around the world because I take that job very seriously. I am worried that we are in a position where it's a every person for themselves kind of situation. We have no clue or conversation. Nobody's having a discussion about what a public good even means, that there are significant investments that we want to make in our young people for readiness for school for being set up to be the next generation of people who lead our nation and our world. Like, we're not serious about that if we can't have a discussion about how to support pregnant-capable people in the postpartum period. I'll give you an example from my own research. I had a patient who was part of the lift economy. She had a C-section, right? Her mother had cancer. She was driving for a Lyft and Uber 10 days after her C-section because she had no health insurance and no paid family leave. The last thing you should be doing is sitting in a car for eight hours postpartum as a Black person. Outside of the fact that you're not you know, able to be lactating and bonding with your baby, you increase your, your deep vein thrombosis and, or, or your risk of blood clots in your lower leg if that's all you're doing all day. Right. We're, we have a mismatch between what we say is really important and valuable and what we want to financially support. It is right? deeply, so when I think, deeply wrong. Yeah. When I think about like and this is another thing, place where I don't think your listeners and a lot of our citizens understand when we use the word infrastructure, we don't mean just mean roads and bridges. We are talking about humans, money, time and space. And if you don't think about that for childbearing families, then we are going to continue to do them an ethical disservice in terms of saying they're doing an important job in society, but we refuse to recognize it. And we do that to our teachers. We do that to, to anybody in care culture. We let them know how little they're valued by how little we support them and how little, you know, support them on an emotional, physical, monetary at all exactly. levels, right? Exactly. Which reduces it all to like one really big problem. Poverty is a policy decision. It doesn't come out of thin air. These are choices, right? Because until we have a reckoning around those pieces, 
we will continue to see harm to Black, Indigenous people of color and queer folk because that's who's being harmed right now. One of the things that really frustrates me also is how out of reach to the that person giving birth, that person trying to care for their kids, that person driving the lift 10 days after having a cesarean, how out of reach the change feels. Where do we go from here? How can we imagine really good perinatal care and how we can we how can we provide something for our communities right now while the bigger systematic changes happen? First of all, birthing people are sacred and the most tired people in the planet who are making the largest role transition that they probably will have in their lives, except for, you know, death of a parent or their own death. They shouldn't, unfortunately, they shouldn't have to be the people leading this charge. So if we talk a retrofit, because I'm going to talk about retrofit reform and reimagine right now, if we're talking about retrofitting our current systems, there are bigger levers that need to be pressed than postpartum families, right? This is why I like that employers are getting involved and trying to understand what are the supports and the needs that their employees need in order to be able to optimize their reproductive life course. We need the federal government levers to be able to do it. We need the levers of business. We need the levers of philanthropy, right? It can't just be the childbearing families trying to deal with this. That's if we're going to retrofit stuff. If we're going to reform stuff, I think we need to make sure that when we are citizens, we vote and we vote for people who will understand our interests and what we want to be able to see in terms of reforming our current environment. I mean, they call the Department of Health and Human Services that for a reason, because one is about health services provision and human services is a social safety net that needs to go along with the health provision. Because you're either going to pay for it on the front end or you're going to pay it for it on the back end. And we as a society need to really wrestle with that. And I think the almost, you know, 700,000 deaths from COVID-19 have taught us clearly we want to be on the health side and not the human services side, right? So if we're going to reform, we need a whole lot of other people dealing with this than childbearing families. And if we're going to reimagine, then the only way to do that is with authentic and continual community engagement. The people who are closest to the problem, as Rep. Ayanna Presley has said, are the people who are uniquely situated to know the solutions. And so, therefore, they need to have the resources to fix the problem. At some point, I would like to see civil disobedience from healthcare workers because the places that we work are inhumane. It doesn't work for us. It doesn't work for the people we serve. That's where mistreatment comes from. Right. It's not clinician burnout. Clinician burnout is a whole component of that. And we see recommendations going into, oh, we know what are some solutions that will make a change. And then, you know, midwifery care comes up as a really good alternative and having more doulas. When people say, oh, we need more doulas, we need more midwives. To me, that's a heuristic. That is a a shortcut. Because I always then say, okay, so how are you going to fund the midwifery model in your current exam? If you're going to rich fit some midwives and doulas into your... I said, first of all, they shouldn't have to fix the problem that they didn't create. So that's a whole other conversation, right? So you're either trying to retrofit them onto your model, in which case the secret sauce of what they do is going to get lost. Or you're going to reform your model of care such that the unique contribution they bring in might be there, but it might be diluted. Or we're going to reimagine this whole thing. And nobody ever wants to get to the third discussion. They always want to stay in one and two. But we got to do all three, 
right? Because here's the other thing that your listeners need to understand. We can sit and talk utopias all day. Or when you think about Build Back Better or Momnibus, I think Momnibus was the floor and not the ceiling, just to be clear. But apparently that makes me really radical. But we have to remember that that the utopia, right, that we all dream of doesn't help the people in the now. So we gotta we, we need a both and. We need people working on the utopia, but everybody can't be on team utopia because it's aspirational. And a lot of times you're not accountable for making that happen. We still need people in the now. I I, I say this all the time at workforce development, right? We Yeah, we want a ton of Black and Indigenous and people of color, queer birth workers. We want to diversify the healthcare workforce. We really want to diversify the perinatal health workforce. Okay, but what about those of us who are onlys right now? Right. Those of us who are trying to do the work, it shouldn't be our work to also figure out how to diversify the healthcare workforce. So when we think about like diversification of healthcare workforce, that all sounds good. That's always an aspirational future thing. But we're never doing nothing for the people in the now. Right. That are being harmed by a current system. But that's the daily question. Like, what do we do? And what we have right now is, you know, for much as we think that it should be the floor and our utopia is really big, the momnibus is what we have that the only thing that's been able to gain some traction. What, what do you see is the future of the momnibus? Where do you see us going from here? I'm not by nature an incrementalist. But when you're talking about pulling the levers of philanthropy, the federal government, private equity and investment, and business. It's incremental. So on the one hand, I think that there are pieces of the omnibus. We've already seen this, right? The lactation piece was got out of the house and was voted on already. The VA piece was, was in the mock-up for energy, ways, and means. So we can hold our frustration and disappointment with paid family leave this morning, right? We can, we can hold that. That's not a no, that's a not now. Right. If we were going to be emancipatory as human beings, our world would look very different right now. We, by nature, are incrementalists and a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. And I need people to deal with it. And and if you're not and you're going to be more courageous or you're going to be more bold or you're going to be what I aspire to, which is badass, then do it. Stop talking about it. Do it. Well, I think the incrementalist also, because I know my listeners are new and expectant parents. So they're in that, as you say, very transitional space in their lives when they're tired. And what I want them to hear about this conversation is that it does take baby steps, but it also takes community. You know, when you can't show up today, your friend shows up. Right. And then when they can't or show up, sister, you show up. Yes. Or your family member or your auntie or whoever, right? Again, going back to this whole idea that we don't have a shared appreciation for what a collective good is. And I would love for us to have a, dis- I want that discussion. What is collective good in our current environment? And what are we all prepared to work towards, not fight over or fight for? That's the other thing. we got to stop with this, like, war language, fighting metaphors, all of that, right? What are we all prepared to work for or work toward? For me, I'm trying to build. I'm trying to engage. I'm trying to endorse. I'm trying to align. And that opens up a possibility for the different kinds of work that we could be doing. 
So for me, it's this bigger discussion of in every single decision that we make every day in our work, how are we integrating birthing people? How are we making it easy for them to participate? You know, is it asynchronous? Are we paying them for their time and their expertise? Are we passing the mic? I can't tell you how many press interviews this week I've connected moms with lived experience to a range of media outlets so that their voice, I don't need to speak for them, they can speak for themselves. So what are we doing to curate a space where people can bring the power that inherently exists in them? What are we doing to to, to help them bring that forward? So for our new parents and the folks who, you know, listen to your podcast, like, thank you. That is a courageous act. We see you and we are grateful for this incredible gift that you've done to think that you could continue to propagate our species and bring new humans into the world. That like is a big deal and it's deeply appreciated because I can tell you as a childless by choice person, it will be your children who will design the tech I'll use as an old girl. It will be your children who will take care of me as an old person. And as a professor, I'm grateful that I get to teach your children. I am grateful that I get to see them with the ideas that all of this could be different. I am grateful that I get to let clinicians and learners appreciate the fact that it's a gift to serve you, right? That's a really different narrative than the stigma and shame and judgment and blame and fighting and all the other stuff that that I hear, right? How are we going to build the partnerships that we need with birthing people to change our future? Those are the kinds of questions I'm interested in. And I definitely am hearing, and I want to amplify to the listeners, the fact that they matter. They matter. To take into heart, you matter. matter. Your experiences, your feelings, your struggles matter. And find people who will understand that they matter. Yeah, because we have the capacity to change this. We will figure this out. But today I'm mad, and I'm going to be mad. And everyone else should be mad because the childbearing families we serve deserve better. And quite frankly, no one can push like the levers of the federal government when we are thinking about institutional change towards improving health services provision and health services more broadly for childbearing families. They disappointed us today, but that's all right because we're going to keep pushing them. We're still here. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. McLemore, for your time, for all the work you do, and for speaking to us today. I appreciate you having me, and I'm happy to come back, you know, in a couple of years, hopefully, when we're celebrating the next better version of Momnibus. That was Professor Monica Rose McLemore. You can find Dr. McLemore on Twitter at McLemoreMR. I hope your main takeaway from our conversation is that even though incrementalism is not very exciting, we have to keep the momentum going because you deserve better perinatal care and so do your children and their children. This is work that we do together as a community by showing up as we can, when we can, by celebrating the victories along the way and making sure our voices are heard even when we're frustrated. So one thing you can do for you is to learn about the most common ways that people are mistreated during childbirth and match that with the care that you are receiving. Go to birthplacelab.org slash mistreatment for detailed information from the Giving Voice to Mothers study article on inequity and mistreatment during pregnancy and childbirth in the U.S., 
which was co-authored by an impressive group of researchers that include Dr. McLemore. If you believe you are being mistreated, I encourage you to do something about it. With one in six people experiencing mistreatment during childbirth, this behavior is awfully too common, but that does not mean that it is okay, nor that it should be tolerated. Now, the one thing you can do for the rest of us is to continue emailing and calling your members of Congress to let them know that you support the momnibus and paid family and medical leave. Specifically for paid leave, the paid leave for the U.S. national campaign makes it really easy for you to send your email by finding the contact information for your members of Congress for you and then providing a pre-written message that you can customize. To do all this, go to paidleave.us and click on the Campaigns tab. It only takes a couple of minutes, but it truly does make a difference. You can connect with Birthful on Instagram at Birthful Podcast. And to learn more about Birthful and my birth and postpartum preparation classes, go to birthful.com. Birthful was created by me, Adriana Lozada, and is a production of LWC Studios. The show's senior producer is Paulina Velasco. Jen Chen is executive editor. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. Kojin Tashiro is our associate sound designer and mix this episode. Thank you so much for listening and sharing Birthful. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Amazon Music, Spotify, and everywhere you listen. And come back for more ways to inform your intuition. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous birthful library. Happy listening.